Lab. Once again, I'm Garri, studied media. He's Henrik, studies media as well. How are you? Well, there was a mass shooting in New Zealand earlier today. My, yeah. my, my social media feed has been going crazy on, on that matter. I have had few leakages of, of the manifesto that the shooter made. There's been an active attempt to take it off the internet. But, you know, some of my friends managed to get their hands onto it and, well, yeah, actually gone through that one mm. today. And now the NSA and CIA and FBI are looking after you, trying to burn your copy. M- most definitely, yes. I'm actually waiting when, I'm, when I myself am gonna get locked up. And speaking of being locked up, today's movie, Dumbo. <laughs> A loving tale of animal captivity. Uh, yeah, the so- story of a baby elephant and her mother who are mistreated by a circus. But they however want to advance their career in said circus for unknown reasons. Amongst the quite abusive humans and luckily for the baby elephant Dumbo, there's a group of crows acted by black people. And they give him the emotional uh, courage to hurry back to the circus and be the newest newest attraction to their um, abusive masters. Yeah, that, that, that's that's the Dumbo story in a nutshell. <laughs> Enjoy being born into captivity. Yes, please. Or, as this film is all also known, uh, technical or pachyderms. This film has a lot of good language and well-written songs. That's fine, that's fine. But why, why did we choose it, Henrik? Because we so so democratically choose these films here. Well, well on, on my end, this pretty much just goes, goes on to me being a major big pack and wanting to spoil all the lovable children's films for everyone. <laughs> also, the Disney live-action version is on its way. Now, what can I say? Milking the moment once again. Well, seeing how the last episode was... Goddamn umpteen hours of Hellraiser and gay <laughs> presentation. I, I guess, you know, this, this is a pretty nice break from... Yeah, I mean, that was supposed to be an easy episode, but uh, I uh, ended up being in the hotel lobby in this masterfully in noisy environment for about six hours. Uh, 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 I'm shocked. Something like that, and then, then you have to edit it in your capsule hotel for... I don't know, how long it took? 12 hours to edit the episode? More more than that, because oh I spent God. like I spent like two evenings just getting rid of the goddamn noise. Then, of course, cutting it and mixing it, and I spent like four evenings for that at least. So yeah, the perks yeah. of being a cauliflower and, and a podcast maker. Yep, and those who do not know about what all happens behind the scenes we are actually recording this episode. Don't yet know when this is actually coming out, but we are recording this only a few days apart from when we are going to record the Inuk episode. So we are once again, you know, touching the subject of extremely international cinema in the, you know, few coming days. 
So yep. in the yeah, so in that sense also, you know, it's it's a nice to have at least this small break and touch something not as long and maybe not as hard and complicated. That's correct. And we have been having some low troubles lately recording episodes because of course and understandably when we have international when we have visitors, you know, all the three of our schedules have to match up and right now for the first time in a long long time we went without recording an episode last week and unfortunately we have to kind of step up our game and get our distance to to the release schedule i guess yeah uh, unfortunately yup dumbo or dumbo your experience with the film hendrik i it's been years since i last saw dumbo not in counting this time when I watched it for the episode, but Dumbo as other Disney animated features is something that is one of those films with which I grew up with. So okay. very personal for, film for me, personally. Okay, for me it's kind of the exact opposite, because in my childhood we had the Snow White, we had Pinocchio, Bambi and many others, but... Unfortunately, never Dumbo. And, yes, this was my first time seeing the film. Uh, I know, of course, I've seen quick clips here and there, but this film had kind of like almost a mystical level to me since I have never seen it. And I was happy to do so, finally. The fourth film in the Disney animation lineup. We were very much a Disney household. We actually collected... Once again, this was the VHS days. We collected... Systematically, the Disney animated features, the classic Disney films, amongst other collectible animations like like the original Moomins and stuff like that. So, in our household, you really could not escape Dumbo and other Disney films. Yeah, I feel like we were a Disney family as well, but there were certain movies that we just completely skipped, and I have exposure to some, and sadly, it's some... I have never been able to see, but there are a lot, right? I don't even know how many, 40, 50 full-length main Disney animated feature films. But yeah. Yeah, the thing with Disney's backlog is that it is so extensive that you you can pretty pretty much be a major Disney fan and still not owe all that Disney have made. Yeah, ask for some more wine because this episode needs some. Getting drunk and talking about animal abuse. That's what this podcast is all about. Uh, well, there is drinking in this film, so I think it's appropriate for children as well. And baby elephant children. And, and there, there goes the last nose of this being an easy episode once again. <laughs> Why do we never have easy episodes? <laughs> um, but Dumbo and its history. I did watch, among many other things... And some reading, I did watch the Taking Flight, the making of Dumbo documentary that is also on the DVD of this film. So main points, Dumbo saved Disney economically during the time when going was rough. Second World War was about to start. Small but a powerful film. The first film that they punched out at Disney as like a full feature length film was Snow White. Then was Pinocchio. Both of them huge budget films. And then there was... um, Fantasia, am I correct? Uh, you are 
both Fantasia and Pinocchio ended up flopping on the box office, which meant that by the time Disney reached Dumbo, it was very much struggling for its existence. Dumbo was the, was the kind of a make or break it film. If Dumbo would have failed completely, I guess that would have been end for Disney as a company. Yeah, that is correct, sir. And then Dumbo was indeed punched out and it was a success because the budget wasn't insane. But uh, actually, the numbers are quite favorable for it. Yes, the budget was like 900,000 US dollars and cost was 950,000 dollars, grossed 1.6 million dollars. And in today's value, the cost was approximately 16, six, yeah, 16 million dollars and it grossed 27.2 million dollars. Uh, something that you actually kind of do note when you watch Dumbo is that Dumbo very much, especially when you compare it to Pinocchio and Fantasia, you see that Dumbo is the cutting of the corners feature film from Disney where every single cent has been saved in some way or the another. The animation is not as as detailed or and not as crazy as for example in Fantasia and some something else that they very much used in Dumbo was that they used simple pre-made background images. That is correct, sir. They are, they are like overflowing in this film. To be sure, uh, as such a uh, child, I was I did notice this difference. There would be painted backgrounds that were clearly not living in any way, not moving, still dead. And then it would in the next shot switch to something that was animated. And it looks quite different. And this difference sometimes actually bothered me. I thought it was kind of even creepy as a child. Like, what's happening? I, on the other hand, did not pick up on that one as a child. What I did notice, however, was that the running time of Dumbo was noticeably shorter than their previous animated films, and the story itself was a kind of a much more condensed, much more simplistic than, for example, the one that they tell in Pinocchio. Once again, correct, sir, and RKO didn't even approve the 64-minute length, but Disney said to shut the hell up, and it was released as it was intended as a so-called uh, A-film. Uh, which was pretty much the right right decision, in my opinion. Dumbo really does not have that much uh, loose space from which to cut anymore uh, in the final form. Yeah, that being said, there are some things that were cut from the initial plan, like this was even like pre-storyboard stage, I believe. There was a segment called Why Elephants Are Afraid of Mice. This was cut from the final film. There was also a cut song of Timothy called Are You a Man or a Mouse? I felt that there was a very good reason why these were cut. I mean, they they seemed to like slow down the pace of the film. and Not important in that sense. And not since basically the whole being afraid of the mouse thing is something that comes up only briefly in, in one scene. So I, I myself wouldn't necessarily be adding, you know, a, an explanation scene to why, why elephants are afraid of mouse or 
any way, any other way be dragging on the mouse aspect in any way in the film. Yeah, kind of funny how sometimes when you think about this, kind of funny how these things even end up on a piece of paper because you can already tell that, you know, it's just filler material. It's not key to moving the story forward. Fascinating in that sense. And then again, there of course also always is, is the point that when you are making something like a TV episode or, or indeed a feature film, you kind of have this image already in your head that the script just has to have a number of pages in it. If you are ma- making a movie, you kind of already have the, in your head that you have to achieve at least a hour and a half mark. Or in TV episode, you have to hit the 45 minutes. Which can easily lead into you writing in some filler material so that you can actually be certain that you do get enough pages written. So that you don't run out short on the material and and instead of that you can actually just use the cutting room floor and just cut, you know, the overabundance of material out of the finished episode. I have to wonder if this was actually for budget constraints that they kept it so short or it just came together as such and there was no need to add anything. This wasn't exactly clear to me. I might have missed this detail. My kind of a take, and this is very much a guessing game from my end, is that it was because of the budget reasons. I don't have any hard facts or data where to fall back on 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 this statement but you know when when you compare it to for example to Fantasia which ran over two hours full animation when you put that back to back with Dumbo and see how Dumbo is is barely over an hour feature you I to me it reeks uh, of budget decisions and wanting to save money and therefore cutting out Everything that is not essential to the film. Yeah, it's not distracting in in Dumbo that the budget is low, but uh, you can you can sometimes see it. Like you see more of these still backgrounds, painted backgrounds. You see that there are characters who are in a tent, and you can only see their shadow, which is easier to animate. I would assume less labor-intensive, <laughs> of course, and things like this. There's less also like these little fine details that you may see obviously in Fantasia. Like, I feel like this could be like some certain lighting effects, reflections, smoothening of some details. There's some some of this also in Dumbo when there's a light cast on the character, but perhaps more sparingly than in the big ones. And now that you mentioned it, you are... That is very true. The less of details is very noticeable throughout the film. Also within, as you said it, in the character of Dumbo, who himself also is drawn very simplistically. Yeah. Yeah, Dumbo is very much a collection of simple but big features. Big eyes, big ears, stuff like that that don't have that much of a detail, but because they are so big, they can be still be very expressive. And where is Dumbo originally coming from? Well, there was this Roll-A-Book Publishers Incorporated. It was New York-based company. And there were two authors for the original Dumbo drawings. It was Helen 
I hope I pronounce it correctly, Helen Aberson and Harold Pearl. They were actually married for a little while. Supposedly, these two are the original masterminds of Dumbo. And, however, they broke up after Dumbo the movie was released, and there's some discrepancies that makes it hard to determine who was the actual person who made the greatest effort for the character of Dumbo. Was it Helen or Harold? Well, in any case, originally Dumbo featured in a children's... There was this book called Rollabook, and using two handles you could change the pages in, in the book. You could change what was being displayed when it comes to the images. It's really hard to explain in a podcast when English is still not my native language even. But it was this kind of a fancy patented uh, idea. Uh, Rollabook is such of an old school technology and actually such of a novelty item and so, so completely useless thing that it's actually very hard to explain even in visual form. Yeah, if you go online you can find the original uh, blueprints. Anyway, that's how it was. And it was a, of course a very really simplified and short story. But then somebody from Disney, well, there was a talent hunter at Disney Studios and according to the best evidence it seems that this guy was able to present this idea of Dumbo after seeing it in the Cracker Box too. Two extremely talented artists at Disney, Dick Humor and Joe Grant. So Dumbo started from a little strip and this original strip is kind of a has kind of a mystical value because it seems that none of them exist anymore or we don't know that any of them exist. Dick Humor never saw the original strip, but they took it from there. Isn't there some copy on on some museum or university museum or something like that? Uh, these these copies are like um, galley proofs or so-called preliminary versions of a publication. So I understand that, that these that do exist are like the artworks uh, that are done before they make make the actual final work. Okay, okay, yeah, I, I stand I, I, corrected. So they took the idea from there. The the, the idea wasn't the, the story of Dumbo wasn't active all the time, but uh, these two guys kept developing it, and then it was taken back into production. And Walt Disney gave the green light for the project. So Rollabook obviously sold the rights of Dumbo to Disney. The rights were sell, sold quite cheaply. Sold for a thousand dollar deal in June 1939. In today's value, it's about $8,000 in 2019. And the deal also included uh, royalties for the first thousand books that uh, would be sold. And I understand they are referring to the 1941 republication Dumbo, which I actually was able to read online. But uh, yeah, Timothy the Mouse in the English original is played by Edward Brophy. And in the Finnish version, he's played by Matti Ranin. Matti Ranin might be familiar to our listeners from the Commissario Palmon Erehdys, the uh, Inspector Palmer's error film, where he's actually acting in a live-action form. And Edward Proby, on the other hand, may be the more well-known, coming from the old gangster films. And also, you know, from the horror arena, that being the Todd Browning's Freaks. From 1932. Mm-hmm. From the times when horror was still prestigious. 
Well, Freaks most definitely was not prestigious <laughs> at, at the time. It's a cult film now, but back in its heyday, it was very. It was met with a huge scorn. Audiences were both repulsed and kind of taken aback by the fact that you know live sideshow freaks were used in the film. It is somewhat notorious film in the horror genre. Not today anymore because now now its merits have been acknowledged, but. But it did have extremely rocky start, to say the least. Then there is the crowds, and the only, as I understand, only non-black crow is played by Cliff Edwards, the Jim Crow, the lead crow character. And the rest is part of a, like a band of black people. But that it is, and also, well, not, not Disney regulars, but there, there is James Basket who also played Uncle Remus in the Song of the South. Also a well-remembered Disney feature, which also, I guess also would make an interesting episode. Yeah, it's it's basically, it's an early Who Framed Roger Rabbit kind of a combination of live action and animation. Same way as Disney's Mary Poppins. Coming June 2035 in uh, this podcast. Yup, uh, hopefully not, seeing how that also is, is an interesting case to tackle on in many ways. But, but the case with Song of the South is that it is very problematic film. Uh, these days, the racial presentation and it, the way how it tackles, for example, slavery is, is something that has, it, well, it, it's not a film that is remembered in a good light. Let's just say it that way. Disney itself is trying to limit the times it is going to release Song of the South. Well, <clears throat> Manos the Hands of Fate next week on this podcast. Hitting all the classics. Yeah, would it be scene by scene? Oh, I guess that is the natural way where to take this. <laughs> we are super fast. Yeah, we have to get into the uncomfortable territory at some point. Yeah, we have to get this, I guess... Mm, unnaturally fast this week because there's a lot to chew on in this segment. Yeah, because we I know this is such a torture. Like two Finnish guys talking in their non-native language for like four thousand hours. Oh well, yeah, we could pretty much re- just rename the podcast at this point. <laughs> to to what? <laughs> to, 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 well, let's just call it the four thousand hours. Because that's what that's I, I can't believe that that's what an episode feels like to any listeners. Oh dear, oh dear. Seen by scene, Henrik. And the video is playing. I see RKO Radio Pictures now. Walt Disney presents. Are you with me there? I, I I'm with you. We are watching the yeah. opening credits. <laughs> Excellent. This is exciting. <laughs> this is exciting. <laughs> I've only seen it like five times now. But anyway, so we have the starting titles. Exciting as always. Uh, in the opening scene, once we get to that, we have the what we call Haikara in Finland, and it's also known as Stork in English. Stork is on the cloud. That's fine. So that's, this is a great way to build your story. A mere reading of map becomes a little bit more interesting because the Stork is on a cloud and almost drops the baby actually through the cloud, but no biggie. It's also interesting that uh, all, all these troubles appear only for this one Stork. 
when you compare this one to the very first ones that fly in the formation, you know, there there is no problem at all. Mm, that's true. Yeah, he struggles immensely with this one package, but uh, I like the song in the beginning about the weather conditions and all. If I should say something about the different versions already, I don't know if we want to get to that now or later. What do you think? Uh, we can touch them as they come up. Yeah, for, so yeah. for the Polish version, I think that might even be the strongest opening for this film because the song about the weather uh, before the stork appears is really good. I think there's a lot of energy, great energy in the Polish version. Uh, I, uh. on my end, uh, I'm comparing here the the Finnish and the English dub. Yeah, so <laughs> the people who are completely confused here. Uh, I live in Poland, I'm from Finland. But I managed to watch the English dub, uh, the Finnish dub, and Polish dub, so that's why I'm going through all of this here. And I, on my end, since I don't understand a word of Polish, I simply watch it on, on Finnish and English. And even though I'm not saying that the Finnish dub is bad, per se, I do feel that the opening song in the Finnish dub is actually a lackluster when you compare it to the original English dub. I would agree with you right there. Did you notice that the rhinos... Well, now we're showing these animals. Now I have the kangaroo on my screen. Did you notice that the rhinos are first shown in animated form underwater in their pool? But in later parts, there's a very similar shot. Yet this time, it's not animated. It's drawn as if meant to be animated, but they're, they're a painting. And I actually did not notice that. Yeah, yeah. In the beginning, it's... Like moving, and in the next one, it's frozen. I'm really bad at seeing these these animated, not animated, budget cut decisions in films. It appears. Yeah, the way I go through these films is just something random, some little thing comes into my mind when I watch it, and then I write it down straight away. So, because the moment when I actually noticed the the budget cut animation was only on the later scene, you know, that, that next morning when you have the shot on the circus leaving the town. And in there, on the other hand, you see that the simplistic animation and the budget cuts is basically in everything. Starting from the train and ending with an individual animal. Yeah, something that, that that you could say already when you see the train now, they're almost about to leave. You see that when they have long shots, the people lose and the animals lose features noticeably. And when you get closer, you get the more detailed drawing version. And I think this is not necessarily so easy to notice in something like the Snow White, but it's been ages since I've seen that. So, so, so uh, listener discretion is advised, but yeah. Also, since we now are talking about individual elements, the one that I always take note on is the train itself, which actually is being drawn using only a few very simplistic, very caricaturistic, but they tar- try to kind of go around it with actually giving noticeable facial features to the train, so so that the train itself kind of becomes an animate and living object in the world. But uh, the animal captivity... That's the first problem for the night to discuss. I have listed four problems, and the animal captivity aspect of this film is the first one. So the problematic aspect of circus animals being displayed as these happy creatures that are performing for you, yet they are slaving away. You know, you can also hear it when the ringmaster even announced it, and I felt just uncomfortable listening to that. Maybe that's 
daily activities for the circus. I haven't been in circus in years, but they say Dumbo, the flying elephant, the eighth wonder of the world, the only flying elephant in captivity. And yeah. yeah. Oh. There, there's also the notion that when it comes to human characters interacting with animals, the only one you actually see is the circus master. And the interaction he has is actually just shouting and using his whip. That it is, and at no point at all is it suggested that they would like to escape the circus. And, you know, since we're at this point of this discussion, I sincerely hope that Disney is making the live-action Dumbo that I don't care about at all. I hope they make it in the sense that they are trying to escape the circus or somehow oppose the circus, because I don't know how your, your views of circus are, but the more and more I have read about it, the year after year, uh, I feel that it's some kind of an activity that, as much as it's, it has brought enjoyment to humans, I think it's not exactly bringing the enjoyment for the animals, so could be kind of a thing that we should get rid of, just like the bullfights. I used to love circus as a kid very much. The, the problematic element with, you know, coming to understand and learning more about the things is that basically all the fun things gets ruined in the process. When it comes to the new uh, live action feature, now... I haven't paid any attention to the upcoming Tim Burton film since I have no interest in the live-action Disney films or these live-action remakes. Yeah. But I did watch the two trailers specifically for this episode and for this talking point. And since you raised up the, your wishes for the plot, what I gathered from the trailers, it seems that the escaping from the circus, escaping the captivity, is not a plot point in the film. In, in Instead, it most likely is going to play the system so that the original circus, where Dumbo gets his bearings, is is very nice and loving place, and everything is happy and sunshine there. And then there is this much more bigger, more corporate cir- circus owner, in the character of Michael Keaton, or in Michael Keaton's character, and he's going to be some kind of a bad guy, and the mission of the film is that Dumbo has to save his mom from the Michael Keaton circus owner. Was it you that made the notion a couple of episodes back that, yes, you were the one, the chosen one, who had to come up clean and say that when you watched The Beauty and the Beast, you felt that it was... Scripted so so carefully to avoid all possible problems that would ensue. That that you found that the Beauty and the Beast was made in such a way that it was consciously trying to avoid any points that would raise any concern or or points of ridicule in YouTube channels, for example. And, yep. and you would think that they would do the same with the live-action version of Dumbo, but if it's going to be sort of a, like a pro circus or even neutral circus that could be an immediate problem from organizations like PETA uh, it could be uh, it could be a problem from PETA certainly but I I still get the feeling that they are still trying to avoid all that especially they are trying to avoid for example cinema scenes and YouTube channels like that uh, by 
adding human characters that are sympathetic towards the animals into the film. And I get the feeling, simply by, you know, quickly watching the two trailers, that the focus of the film is going to be very centered around the human characters and, and Dumbo. It's going to be interaction between Dumbo and three human characters. So humans are going to get a lot of screen time in the film. Now that we're watching the train rolling by, and there was the scene where it goes uphill and then the and then downhill. And I really enjoy in the English version the moment when the, the uh, when the train is speaking. What is it saying again? Like, I think I can. I think I can. I thought I could. I thought I could. <laughs> Something that is actually completely lacking in the finished dub. It's got. Uh, there is something, you know, in the, in, the, in, the, in the first part, when it's uh, about to leave the station, there's this hoot-hoot moment, and it's completely just hoot-hoot in Finnish version, there's no voice in that. But it, when it gets the uphill-downhill, there is something, but you cannot hear anything. No, my guess is on what they have done is that they have put some mumble in the background, and kind of a quiet it out so that you can't actually make any sense what it is but you do actually recognize that some some kind of a human noise is behind it and then yeah. they have added on top of that you know those train sounds to drown out the mumble even more yeah i think they messed it up yeah even in the polish version the hoot part was also like without human voice but again in the uphill downhill part you have uh, well clearer vocals than in the Finnish version, but again, I couldn't figure out what is going on. It is, of, co- of course, a difficult moment to translate to other languages dub-wise. I, I can understand that much for the Finnish dub here, but still, you know, it, it, it is a shame that it did not make the Finnish translation. Since it was a nice small detail, which I too enjoyed quite a lot. Yeah, we are now in the scene with the roustabouts and the song that the roustabouts make. Roustabout is, uh, the first definition is, a deckhand or longshore man or an unskilled or semi-skilled laborer, especially in an oil field or refinery, or something more fitting for this one. Uh, a circus worker who erects and dismantles tents, scares for the grounds and handles animals and equipment. So, And uh, a note about the song... In English, it's of course in English, and in Finnish, it's in Finnish, but in Polish, this was the only version, the only song that was not translated. It's actually played back in English there. They didn't make the effort to sing it in Polish. They don't want to make make it the Polish dub any notion towards the hard work being slavery. <laughs> I interesting. <laughs> I, I, on the other hand, you know, just couldn't help but to notice that that song actually, in my opinion, that so- song was the point where Finnish dub kind of a started to up its ante. That in Finnish dub, that is the kind of the turning point where the dub starts to get better. Hmm. Uh, then there's the ceremony that we are now looking at. There's now the giraffe that is swallowing his own spit like the good slave he is and as well as the gorilla previously that cuts the, the one of the cage bars and puts it back like the good slave he is as well he did have uh, that small moment when he could have escaped but he chose slavery instead yeah well 
When watching this film, Henrik, I thought about the history of the word circus. Uh, my first impression was, without looking into any sources, is that it could have something to do with circulation, which makes sense because circuses go around circling around the globe with their tents and stuff. And the word is Middle English from Latin, and origin is indeed from the word circle. Latin circulus, yeah, from from around those parts. Now that was very good etymology point from you. I really was not aware of that myself. Yeah. Okay, well, it's time to get berserk. The mom is now about to get crazy soon because uh, somebody in the ground is buttering Dumbo Jr. The mom's blue eyes become red eyes when she goes berserk. Actually, they go red right before she goes berserk. Uh, interesting way to kind of change the mood. And afterwards, there's this moment where I think the mom and the junior are caressing themselves by moving back and forward, as mentioned by the Disney historian in the comment track. Her name is Paula Sigmund, a Disney historian. Another interesting point is that it seems that Dumbo later on gets zero preparation for his big climax, and he's just pushed there and nobody cares about the big ears that of course are the major major point of concern it when it comes to Dumbo circus antics it appears that Dumbo at no point does get any training for the stunts he's supposed to make yeah great circus and great great circus we are talking about a baby elephant here who has no previous expertise on circus performance, unlike all the other elephants in the circus. And he's, you know, forced to do stunts like like jumping on a springboard and try to land on a top of elephant pyramid and later on to jump out of a burning building. And the way how these stunts are actually being shown in the film, it gives you the impression that no one at no point tried to train Dumbo for any of these antics at all. And here we get to the problem too, which I have listed as the despise of the other. We kind of had this discussion in Hellraiser. We're going to continue on this line. In this film, the despisers are uh, the adult elephants, the gossiping elephants. They're actually extremely evil against a little child with sort of a should I say deformity? It's kind of a re- reminiscent to racial tensions in the past and uh, anti-Semitism. Quote-unquote, he's no longer an elephant because he made a destruction in the tent and has these big ears that are for some reason an extremely huge problem. Anti-Semitism actually is a good, good call to make because you can actually see parallels to that in Dumbo, seeing how anti-Semitism very much centers around uh, Jewish caricatures, where most notably the nose is is the one that is being singled out. Most of the anti-Semitic drawings of a Jewish character. And, well, Dumbo is, is an elephant, and the elephants do have very huge snouts, so basically the nose aspect is, is out of the picture, but they do replace it with the ears, with which, which once again is just one specific 
bodily element which now the other elephants highlight to symbolize what is wrong with the other and kind of make it that sticking point. They do recognize who Dumbo is by his ears. Yeah, maybe this is also a good point to remark that Dumbo is at the end a very simple film and also the kind of the blood structures are so simplified that you have something like it seems a little bit forced sometimes, you know, you have these conflicts with the older elephants just like that because of the huge ears and you have a lot of emotional scenes. You have this Timothy, the supporting character, so to speak, and you have also him kind of enforcing whatever emotion is going on. So if Dumbo feels like crying, then 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 uh, Timothy is emphasizing it. And sometimes it feels a little tacky, like, okay, this is the moment to cry. We have sweet music, let's cry, and or, or let's be sad. On, but yeah, children's movie, okay. But it, it's, yeah, it it's does. easily to, yeah. To, to, it, I would even make the case that at points Dumbo is downright manipulative in its storytelling. Yeah. Dumbo himself is being drawn so that he's very easy to comprehend visually wise. There, there is mm-hmm. no much details, big features that highlight the emotions Dumbo goes through. So basically anyone can pick up when Dumbo is sad or happy and immediately understand what is the emotion Dumbo is going through. There is also Dumbo himself in basically every way, how he acts, how he reacts. The, the kind of a, the character Dumbo is, is very likable. It's very sympathetic. Like you see Dumbo when he first emerges from the package. And first meets his mom, and you kind of immediately got that awes moment with Dumbo. Yeah. And after this initial emotional connection to the character, then there is, when the bad things happen, there is, there is the swelling of the music. There is, like you pointed out, there is Timothy who outright states out how Dumbo feels and how wrongly Dumbo is being treated. This is also, this actually is something where I found very small, but I still felt poignant difference between the two dubbings, where in the original dubbing, Timothy says, how do you like that? Giving him a cold shoulder. Poor little guy. There he goes without a friend in the world. Yeah. And in Finnish dubbing, Timothy says, to treat a little one that way. Poor little guy. Mm. There he goes. And in my opinion, it's even more noticeable in the Finnish form. Kohdalla nyt pikkuista tuolla lailla. Voi pikku raukkaa. Siinä se menee. So even though the message is the exact same, the words are almost the same. There is those little changes. Pikku raukkaa and pikkuista. Which highlight even more prominently how young and small Dumbo in the end is. For uh, when it comes to like what, what sets Dumbo still miles apart from like your average cartoon or feature animated film is the fact that you can relate still with the animated emotions of the characters because I think there are obviously there are the all the Disney masterminds are at play here giving giving their best and when you look at the Dumbo's animation, 
effects done by Bill Teitla. He was w one of the masterminds at the office. And the animation of Dumbo was inspired by his two-year-old son. So even though they may not have had a plentiful of time to study human or animal anatomy and their muscle movements and movements, it doesn't necessarily matter. It's not a deal breaker in any sense because they can s still display those emotions that we humans have. And, and that's that's what it's about. And that, that is what it's about. You don't have to be hyper-realistic. If you compare animation in Dumbo, for example, to the animation in Lion King, you obviously see how Lion King is, is years apart from Dumbo. In terms of how showy it is, how much mm -hmm. elements there is, how realistic the animation is in Lion King. Yeah. But you don't have to actually achieve all that to make your film still work. In, in Dumbo's case, it is a matter of do the emotions work? Does it raise the emotions in you and do you connect with the film? And I, I would say that Dumbo, yeah, Dumbo pulls it off, still. It's a good point in the commentary track where they note that when Timothy goes to the tent of, of the boss of the circus and gives these subliminal messages during the dream, there's this shadow that, that covers the room and it's uh, like an inspiration for that shadow of Timothy is from Nosferatu. And apparently the, the crew had been watching a lot of films in preparation for their works. And that's one of the things they dropped right there. There's also one talk in the tent and when we're watching this film right now. He's about to have his big showdown, his big climax. And now he's pushed to do the great climax. Unfortunately his ears detach and uh, everything goes crazy. But, but the point is that later when he joins the clowns, the clowns, after their performance with Dumbo, they are talking favorably about Dumbo, but also they are noting that they have this great idea that maybe Dumbo should be climbing up to like a thousand meters or whatever the case was and jump from there next time. And they are about to go to the chef or um, uh, the, the boss and tell about this great idea in hopes of getting a raise. And the funny thing is that right after Dumbo was released, Disney went on a strike. And I think it's not really confirmed, but you could take it in a sense that they put it in there to to kind of leave their sentiments into the film, that they want a pay raise. If they did not do that, in that case, you know, that, that was a scene that aged very poorly immediately after it was done. <laughs> but looking, looking at the the clown scene, it really is kind of a baffling how much of dangerous elements they are willing to actually throw around in, in the circus. I'm not just talking about the basically beating Dumbo in the ass and throwing him from a great height, but also having live fires inside your circus tent. And, yeah. you, you, you know, not, not only live fire, but also, you know, adding gas of all of goddamn things to the mix. And also having a complete disregard for pachyderm life or elephant or animal life or welfare. Yeah. It's, it's a surprising that Dumbo, who actually gets so much shit for, you know, wrecking the big top, in his earlier stunt, seeing exactly how careless everybody else in the circus is. 
It's like all the crap that he goes through. It seems like that is completely okay if you're unable to perform optimally. Uh, then you are, it's okay to go through all this suffering and so-called uh, shame, disgrace. If you don't make the box for your corporate master, you most definitely deserve everything you get. <laughs> That's Dumbo. <laughs> yeah, you can clearly see, you know, the sentiments of the time. They are just oozing from this picture, even though I feel that Disney, for example, has tried, has really tried still, you know, to avoid all uncomfortable connotations, except for some things like Pocahontas, maybe couple of other historically related ones. Uh, but uh, I feel that in Disney films and in cartoons in general, it's a joy to watch because you kind of take a break from all the from the historical tensions or or political tensions or whatever um, tensions different groups of people might have against one another. And they... in, in, but yeah, you can't help. You can help it. Some of those reflect back in your work in the animation as well. Disney films, for certain, are very nice and easy to watch. The problem comes that if you are asshole, film podcast person, <laughs> you actually find surprisingly a lot, surprisingly disturbing things in Disney feature films. Yeah, I mean, of course. When it comes to many of these things, they weren't intended, and uh, absolutely zero percent, I would say, was intended as something. No, something but they still evil. they still but, slipped up into there. But they still slipped them in there, and it doesn't matter. Well, intentions matter, Henrik. They really do. But yeah, they they do. They, they do. This is this is an ignorant film when you look at it in 2019. In like, like you said, intentions matter extremely a lot. Yeah. In all forms of art, very much in film. And, well, you know, it, it it's a good point that you raise with, with the intentions, because intentions matter is, is something I feel we have to touch upon once we get to the infamous crow scene. Yeah. At the moment we're watching the scene where... The baby elephant Dumbo and the mother is caressing the baby Junior. And this, uh, I think this was when it comes to Oscars, Henrik. This won the Oscar for Best Original Score and then won again at Cannes Film Festival for Best Animation Design. It is extremely easy to see how this one would be something that the award sport would actually give rewards for. Okay, for me, the songs didn't really click as much as many other Disney productions, but okay, this is like the early phase, and you have some nostalgia towards that, okay. And, and of course, the baby, whatever, baby, 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 mine. It's a great great song. Many of, I've, I feel, of, of these songs are quite short. I... Now, I'm, I'm making a guess here. I'm, I'm not talking from facts. But I would almost make the case, seeing exactly what type of song it is, and, well, how, how quote-unquote good the song is, that when the award decisions were made, they didn't just listen to the song, instead they watched the scene. Because, like you said, the song itself is not necessarily that great, but the scene itself 
is extremely hardworking tearjerker moment. Yeah. It lives with the visuals. This is one, once again something where Dumbo's design, those simplistic big features, and like we said, manipulation and all that really comes to play on full force. And it it does work. It's it's a very powerful scene. Hell, I cried when I saw it. Oh, uh, now? Yeah. Okay. It it, it still works. Uh, you know, works for me. I do precisely see and acknowledge everything that Disney is doing in during the scene. Forcing the the cry. Uh, forcing the cry. But you know, hey, it still works. Yeah. I would very much say, say that, you know, the awards board, they didn't listen to the song alone, they saw the scene, and the scene worked for them, and that, I would make the case that that's how, you know, it ended up winning in, in the Oscars, and how it ended up winning in Cannes. Even though I really like these early Disney films, I feel that some things, many things, in fact, were more refined later, and I wouldn't call only this the golden age of Disney, because God Almighty, there there's some incredible Disney films after this, and I would say that they have, in that sense, like several golden ages. Even the even the 1990s. Well, I'm biased once again because I grew up with Aladdin and and the Lion King, uh, but I think these are bloody amazing films. And uh, I think Alan Menken is simply a genius. His music just brings to another level. You very much have the crowd on your side with with that sentiment. Because it is the common conception that Disney indeed has had several golden ages. The Dumbo era is kind of remarked as the first one. And like you said, the second one usually is put I don't exactly remember how long the first Golden Age is said to last. But yeah, Lion King also is is remarked as a Golden Age. Some some say that it it is one continuous Golden Age, you know, starting from Pinocchio and lasting all the way to Hunchback of the Notre Dame. And then there comes the gap and the Disney we would now have Depending on a person, it is the third or the fourth or the second golden age Disney is going through. Yeah, okay. But Disney and the way how Disney films have have changed, it is kind of an interesting topic, not maybe for this episode per se, but something that is is very interesting subject matter to touch upon. Because the case has been made that in Disney films, like what types of films Disney produced, there are certain eras that you can see. Like there, and terms like Disney Renaissance pops up in those discussions. Yeah, makes sense. Regarding the drinking, that's my problem number three of this film. Or you could make it a problem. You could also not see it as a problem, but I see it as a potential problem for somebody, not necessarily me. But the problem of Dumbo drinking, having fun with alcohol, baby elephant. Ba- baby elephant. Along with Timothy, the mouse. Good, I mean, good, the, yeah. This is something that you wouldn't see nowadays. Yeah, at this point, everybody would be 
afraid of what the parents would say. That yeah. that, that being noted, the so-called March of the Pink Elephant scene is kind of the moment in the film where you can very much see that somebody just went on to the animator's office and just gave them a broad guideline of an elephant pink and then just gave them the total freedom to do whatever they wanted. Yeah, this whole pink elephant thing is fascinating. Pink elephants, as English speakers might know, is something that you are supposed to experience when you drink. Or in a more modern sense, I guess that would be more attributed to drug use, actual drug use. Well, wouldn't it? Because who who sees pink elephants when they drink? Uh, (laughs) Do you? Paranoid schizophrenics, maybe. Yeah. uh, Maybe it's an allegory for mental illness. Yeah, if if you take some psychedelic mushrooms, then who knows, you you might see pink elephants easily. Yeah, could be. Uh, I mean, I'm going through a book about <laughs> psychedelics and how they could be used as medicine, and it's all really fascinating. Fascinating how that could like uh, change your mind to the better, hopefully. Come on, it's man! Film post- podcasting is not that hard of a job. <laughs> yeah, uh, sorry, and we're uh, supposedly tri- uh, talking about a uh, children's film, so I'm trying to not talk about psychedelic drugs too much in this podcast. But, but yeah. Dumbo is also well known for its example or depiction of pink elephants because it's visualized here and there's also a pink elephant cocktail or various versions of that. Maybe I should ask for a pink elephant cocktail in this restaurant. Okay, I I myself, I on my end, I actually haven't heard about any of this previously. Yeah. You, you, You have the upper hand of knowledge, I have to give you that one. The more you know, and this podcast. The more you know, whoever said that, you know, co-hosting a film podcast wouldn't be a learning experience for you as well. <laughs> but yeah, it's uh, this is a very interesting, like, experimental psychedelic section of the film. Completely its own beast. And um, somebody asked what they were actually smoking or something to that effect when they were animating this, but... Simply, they were just doing doing their job. Uh, these people were trained to think this way. And, I mean, come on, if, if you would be in mushrooms, I think it will, could be much wilder than that. You know, you could get stuff that you get in the Big Lebowski bowling scene, for example. I, on my end, couldn't say, because I, <laughs> I, I on my part, have, Me neither. Uh, have Me neither. never and, and will not condone, condone the usage of any kind of psychedelics. I'm not doing that either. Tipping my hat and, you know, saying hello to the, once again, definitely not the cops who most likely will once again try to contact us through the (laughs) Facebook page. (laughs) Yeah. But uh, we're getting to the black-acted crows, my problem number four for tonight. I would, uh, yeah. The most talked about problematic topic of, of Dumbo. Yeah. Of course, the main crow has a cigar as well, but that's that's the thing of the times, and maybe nothing more about it, really. So the crows are played or uh, voice acted by black people, specifically a black orchestra or a band of the time, except for the main crow. And that the racial aspect is something that actually does come very obvious. 
in the way how the girls speak and the type of language they use with all the Hey brother! Yeah, for me I do not see this as a problem per se because if you want to really give a great character for this Krause then may why not? Why wouldn't you go for maybe a different group of people who are able to give this kind of a performance? In that sense I think it's fine. I think it's fine. Um, where, where it might go astray are other details, because the crows are black, is that a problem? Well, uh, I I wouldn't tie the discussion about the racist depictions of the blacks to sim- simply the, to the color. I mean, it it obviously plays plays part in the argument. It is the black animals who have all the brother in their speak. Oh, uh, what what I could see being the main driving point of of the argument is is the fact that from all the animals in the film, the crows are the slackers. Every other animal, in some way, is part of some kind of a working society. The elephants help to help in raising of the big top, and the camels and tigers and everybody else is working as a circus attraction. The crows on their end are, I don't know, investment bankers? I never thought that the crowds are slackers, but I I understand how you could see that way, but also, actually, the sort of a white group of this film are also slaves in the circus, whereas the crowds are, are free as birds. Uh, that it is. Uh, another point that has been raised in favor of the crows is is the fact that the crows are the only, outside of Timothy the Mouse and Dumbo's mom, the crows are the only actors in the film that actually do not have hostility towards Dumbo, who, who da- do not meet Dumbo with scorn, but instead are understanding, sympathetic, and mm. in the end end up helping Dumbo to overcome the obstacles and achieve what he achieves at the end of the film. If you really want to look for something uncomfortable, which in my opinion is not related to races for sure in any way, is the fact that the crows are encouraging Dumbo to fly, but they don't appear to have prior knowledge of his ability to fly. And so it's it's to be assumed that the magic feather is a, as Tim describes it, is just a motivational tool. And that's it. So, was the Kraus attempt to make him fly actually a murder attempt? <laughs> or... I, I always took, the, took it that at that point the Kraus actually end up buying Timothy's theory that Dumbo can fly. Yeah, they're, but why? They're cr- Maybe, well, well, okay, they are birds. They might have aer- aerodynamic understanding of the ears. Well, yeah, the, the reason why the crows would believe Timothy is actually never made in, in the film at all. Like they they, they are, have, are given no actual reason to believe in the possibility that Dumbo could fly, especially seeing how much they doubted that possibility in their song when I see an elephant fly. Yeah. So yeah, they they end up doing complete 180 on their attitudes on whatever can Dumbo fly or could he not fly in 
just uh, you know matter of seconds and the crows and the timothy as you mentioned it they all appear to be on the same page on the fact that the feather itself is just you know a motivational tool it nobody except dumbo believes that the that the feather actually has any magic did you notice the freddy krueger shirt on one of the crows i did i i I did (laughs) they are Interesting. Would be interesting to know the background of this color combination because it's also an optical illusion. It could be just that in in Dumbo's case. Hmm. I like the line "reverend rodent." <laughs> Good one. Um, that's basically it. Dumbo gets the feather, and the next step now is to perform fantastically in in his final act or his new clown performance, which becomes something much greater when he performs and shows that he has the ability to fly. And we see all these headliners in the end. Dumbo manager signs a Hollywood contract. I wonder if that's a reference to the creators, original creators of the Dumbo or it just happens to be there. There is uh, the train in the very very end that has an Indonesian-like flag except it's in this triangle shape and I don't know if it has any meaning, but it has the Indonesian colors. But yeah, that that is actually the end of the film. Dumbo ends up becoming a tool for militaristic purposes in in form of the fighter planes, and well, yeah. still still has to live in captivity, making money for everybody else. But hey, a, a, at least your mom is no longer in the chained to the floor. Yeah. So yeah, that that's that's all the good things you actually get at the end of uh, end of the story. Happy it's times. So happy, so the... happy times. It's almost like working at Disney. <laughs> uh, so the end result is the the thing that you should go home with is that you grow in captivity, and if you want to do well in captivity, you better perform some incredible shit like flying with your elephant wings. Otherwise, no hope for your life there. And, and remember that the main point in your life is to make money for someone else. Yeah, while you make nothing. Well, you get these peanuts, everyone. In a while. <laughs> yeah, literally peanuts. <laughs> <laughs> do, do, do you think that Walt actually went through, you know, the finished film and at some point was like, Hey, wait a minute, you fuckers did what? <laughs> I don't know. So different times, it's even hard to get inside that head, in a sense. Like, yeah, and it, you know, in all fairness, it's it's not completely fair from you know two no name, no listener film podcasters like us to attack and bully a multi million dollar company like Disney. Well, you can try. We have uh, well, done our yeah. best in Pocahontas and now in <laughs> yeah. our second Disney film. I guess it's some way we should actually feel bad for ourselves, you know. <laughs> the tarnishing all, all the lovable children's flicks <laughs> and constantly using Disney as a punching bag. <laughs> That's what we it, do here. Yeah, yeah. A, 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 especially since, you know, mo- most definitely you can make the case that Disney is nothing like like the circus owner in Dumbo. In a sense that Disney would never ac- actually release your mom from the chains. Yeah, what can you do really uh, regarding this? I mean, I'm not here condemning this film for 
the beliefs that they had at the time and the sort of a relative ignorance when compared to today looking at this film reflecting on animal captivity i mean it wasn't seen as something horrible back then also because no doubt there wasn't enough information available for the general public maybe not even the Walt Disney Studios about the such horrors that you have to endure in animal captivity as an animal well they did have enough you know in- information that they did understand that what the big boss on top of you mostly does is bang his whip on your backside and uh, that is very true and they did have uh, storks in the studio to be able to draw them so they did have some touching ground on animals but uh, regarding animal captivity issues like the list is kind of endless but the issues that many animal organizations have are the poor animal treatment in captivity the inadequate facilities uh, the animal trafficking and the negative reinforcement in other words like physical abuse some circuses do claim that training can also be accomplished with positive reinforcement in other words rewarding the animal with food but considering that there's also the economical factor at first glance it seems unlikely that there would be like a threat threat to animals from a circus however when you look at the scholarly overview on this matter it seems that When you have competition that are able to do things cheaper and more efficient, then you have to enter that competition and that competition unfortunately includes also animal animal torture. It seems that being like animal welfare activist and following the animal welfare laws is just not compliant with being profitable. You have to cut corners. It seems almost like the snowflake communists are tra- trying to destroy the capitalistic society. <laughs> But that is indeed Dumbo. The film has ended, Henrik, and should it be the quick categories already? Or should we talk about more in detail with about Finnish and Polish versions? Or is there anything else? I myself don't have that much on, on the Finnish, Finnish version. I, I simply watch it and compare it to the... English dub and didn't dwell that deeply into it since I kind of figured that most of the listeners are not that interested in in the Finnish dubbing. Seeing how I guess most of our listeners are outside of Finland and would never touch the Finnish dub itself. Yeah, and possibly even less of our listeners are interested about the Polish edition. Well, there I, is I don't Pol- know. I, I think we were like huge shit in Poland. <laughs> But uh, if anything would be there of interest, I paid attention to the fact that Mrs. Jumbo is immediately called Pani Dumbo, like Mrs. Dumbo. So it's Dumbo, not Jumbo. So the Polish version completely jumps over the Jumbo Dumbo play with the names. Which is understandable in the sense that the word play doesn't make any sense in Polish or for that matter in Finnish. So perhaps it's a bit funny to hear mom christ and the baby as dumbo jr straight away but that's how it happens and as mentioned the song of the rustabouts is in english for some reason do you remember during the ceremony that when the lion roars or sighs does the lion say anything because in the polish version it says nudno which means boring also timothy is called tim and maybe the pink elephant song is lazily done and lazily mixed singing sounds lazy and without passion 
And the, when I see an elephant fly in Polish, it's really loud and raspy, which is which I wasn't a big fan of that. Uh, that's about it. Regarding marketing of this film, well, I've seen it the Disney extras on the DVD. There's this Dumbo ride, one of the original riders at Disneyland, uh, made in 1953 or 1954. The feature video on the DVD is uh, extremely shameless plug on Disneyland and little else, so I have no further comment on that, but if you get to Disneyland, maybe try to ride that one. Video games, most notable is uh, Disney's Villains Reve Revenge. Like the rim ringmaster forces Dumbo to endlessly perform humiliating stunts in his circus, but in the end the ringmaster is defeated when he is knocked unconscious by a custard pie. It appears that we are not the only ones in the business of making sure that there is happy times for little kids. Yeah, this is going to be a fun, like, saying this on iTunes and Dumbo episode. Explicit. <laughs> there was a cancelled sequel for Dumbo. It's explained on one of the DVDs. It, they had already made some character designs and storyboards. Robert C. Ramirez was about to direct the sequel. This film was supposed to explain what happened to Dumbo's father, Mr. Jumbo, and Dumbo's circus friends included the chaotic twin bears, Claude and Lolly, and a bunch of other characters. It was supposed to be set on time-wise, on the day, right after the first Dumbo film. But then John Lasseter came in charge at Walt Disney as chief creative officer, and he cancelled the whole project. Dumbo somehow ended up being the IP that pretty much mainly lived on in the form of children's books. Yeah, I could see that there was like four or five different books listed around the interwebs. Perhaps the most famous one is the 1941 book. It's like 30 pages roughly and a lot of illustrations, so it's like a five-minute read for an adult. Yeah, and if I remember correctly, I guess I once owned the Dumbo on land on sea in the air. Okay. It seems that the Finnish dub and the Polish dub are also quite old. If we would assume that the Finnish dub was made for the premiere in Finland for 1948, then okay, that dub is from 1948, but it just might be not the case. Maybe it was made later, but uh, Matti Ranin is on it. The track is really old, you can hear it. So I would say 40s, 50s, around that ballpark, while Matti Ranin was, was a busy man. Quick categories. In this podcast, a favorite performance, go. Oh, I guess it goes to Dumbo himself. He <laughs> is the most expressive of the animals in the film. Not vocally, but yeah. Not vocally, but by, by you know, by features. Uh, Dumbo <laughs> still ends up, you know, pulling more your heartstrings than Timothy the Mouse. I might just end up giving, like, vocal-wise... For, for the pedestal for the Polish version of Tim, extremely closely followed by Matti Ranin because I think he does an excellent job. He does, he does. Yeah. The, the Finnish dub, even though I gave it a hard time at the beginning of the episode, it I still would like to conclude in the end that the Finnish dub, it's not the best dub ever to exist on all the Disney features, the other dubs in the later Disney films, but it still is very good work. It's a good dub, even with all the hiccups that it has. Yeah, animation-wise, I think that's an easy pick. 
you just have to go with Dumbo. Favorite scene? I would say it, it, it is that moment when Dumbo's mom is comforting him at the night time, just before the underage drinking. As much as I like the psychedelic pink elephant scene, I might as well go with that scene, the baby mind scene. Favorite quote? Well, I I, I I didn't feel I got that much material for that for the quote section from this film. I I, I would gotta take the Reverend Rodent. I think that was, you know, the most inventive line of wordplay on its own. Hmm, let's see. I'll give this to, which I suppose is the name of the train. Yeah, Casey Jr. All aboard, let's go. Because that got a chuckle out of me watching this. I would have hazarded a guess that it would have gone to the I think I can, I think I can line. Or that one, yes. That that was really funny. Favorite kill. <laughs> I, 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 I guess that would be the warm feelings and camaraderie that got queued inside the Disney company right after the strike that followed the release of Dumbo. <laughs> hmm, that, that's a tricky one in a film where there's no kills. You are the one who came up with the question. Uh, uh, in my notes, we completely just skipped over this moment, but you just <laughs> had to ask. And uh, I, 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 I managed to actually come up with an answer here, so Amazing. you know, it's, it's your turn. Yeah, hmm. Perhaps the pink elephants that explode into something kind of a metal and something else bursts out of that one. Or if you want to go with almost kills, the suggested kill method of Dumbo when the crowd suggests for him to jump even though there's no indication that the crowds know that he can fly, so that's an attempted murder attempt. And then there's also the fact that if the clowns wanted Dumbo to fall off like from a thousand meters or whatever the case was, yeah, I'm pretty sure the Dumbo would have been completely flattened. The murderer's intent. Yeah. First image that comes to your mind. I actually have to quickly take my mind off the film, so why don't you go first? Yeah. Have you ever eaten an elephant? <laughs> I, act- I-, I actually haven't, but seeing my interest in, you know, the crimes against all, I guess it's just, you know, an accident waiting to happen. Yeah. yeah, if you're new to this podcast, this is just my innocent trick of trying to get our minds off the Dumbo film for a while so we can think of the first image that comes to mind, even though that might not make much sense, but we do it anyway. So first image that comes to mind, if you now just ask me the train at night. Yeah, in my case, it would be Dumbo's mom rocking Dumbo with her snout. Yeah, I I would have actually, you know, I, I was certain before this moment, I would have put in my money that the first image that com- would come to my mind would be Dumbo flying inside the pick top at the very end of the film, but apparently not. I yeah. once again returned back to that nighttime scene with Dumbo and his mom. Well, which image best exemplifies this film? I guess that uh, uh, then would be Dumbo yeah. flying inside the pick top. Yeah, I'll go yeah. with that as well. Yeah, you know, you, you just have to kind of... Uh, it, it's such of a high point of the film, and the culmination of the only conflict within the film, so you kind of have to give something for that scene also. Which is also what they used in the teaser trailer for the live-action one. 
So it is, now that you mention it. Yup. What took you out of Dumbo Dumbo? Uh, pretty much nothing. I was actually completely glued to the film as I watched it. It, it. it being somewhat manipulative and it being incredibly short might have played a huge hand in this. But yeah, I was with the film throughout its approximately one hour running time. Yeah, it's the kind of film that doesn't have many loose ends. I kept wondering maybe like where this is now going when it came to the uh, psychedelic pink elephant visions, but um, it didn't take me out. What pulled you in, Henrik? I actually was pulled in from the very beginning of the film. That, that moment when you first time see Dumbo's mom waiting for the storks to drop him a baby as well. And at that point of the film, not getting it. I felt that it was a nice touch that the stork is bringing the babies down. I mean, I mean, of course, it's uh, the, the common lie perpetrated by every adult, almost known to mankind. But but when you put it in a film form, I thought it was kind of sweet. It was nice, cute. It it was sweet. It also seeing how Disney films and Dumbo is something kind of a, that I would believe most parents first show their kids, so it would be one of those first films that leaves a memory imprint to any kid. It is also, you know, the mom, where does the babies come from, arguments, birthing place, and a disaster in that sense. No, true. And it does avoid the even further exclamation marks and question marks if you would just show it like they do it on Discovery Channel. <laughs> I I'm very sure that you know rule 34 has you covered in that sense. Scissors, Henrik, don't take a hit from the scissors. What what would you cut? I wouldn't cut anything. There simply is no room for any any hard cutting in the film. Cheapskate Walt Disney sure played his hand masterfully here. Yeah, time was it's already short, nothing specifically there to cut. Every scene drives the plot forwards. So no, no alterations of any kind, not even additions from my side. Yeah, well, the story on the other hand is such of a small thing that you actually couldn't, in my opinion, add anything into it without, you know, treading into the padding territory. Yes, indeed. Oh, and I guess it would be sh- fair to sh- fair to say that you didn't look at your watch. Uh, no, I didn't. Yeah, except for the fact that at some point I ha- have to leave this this restaurant, dear listeners. But we still have a little time. Please don't go away. Henrik, would you recommend Dumbo? I coming to this episode, I I was kind of a dreading that in the end I end up stoning the film. Just for the, you know, hell of it. <laughs> Just to ruin the film for everybody. But, yeah, I I do recommend it. It did work for me. It is a good film on its own right. It does showcase Disney on its peak in a lot of ways. Dumbo is a film that is easy to watch. And something that actually has something to show you when it comes to animation as a genre. So in that case, uh, since, yeah, I, I would recommend Dumbo. 
And especially if you have a little kids, you know, this is, this is an easy film to show your kids. So in that sense, also, you know, do watch yeah. and do show <clears throat> Dumbo. When it comes to kids watching this film, Henrik, do you feel that this film has kind of aged in a negative way? Do you, do you think that the modern kids have attention span available for Dumbo? What do you think? Uh, I would say that that depends on how you bring, uh, bring yeah. up the kid. Yeah, and I do recommend using Disney, early Disney for that, because I'm biased, because I was done so as well. Uh, yeah, Dumbo is not a long film, so in, in that sense it's not a hard hard film for a young kid to watch. There, there would be definitely more harder films to approach minute-wise, and I, I don't know, you know, if you can kind of, uh, in the upbringing, distance the kid from the need of having something happen in front of his eyes every goddamn five seconds, which, of course, is somewhat more difficult in today's smartphone era. I would say that a child would have no trouble watching Dumbo. Yeah. For me, uh, I would recommend Dumbo. It finally fits into the collection of memories and style that I have grown up with, with the Snow White and Pinocchio and uh, Bambi and stuff like this. So, I d- even though I was listing like four sort of a problem points in this film, for me they weren't not really problems, except for the animal captivity thing that is kind of awkward to talk about now but that's there and I did enjoy the animation voice work for the most part I did enjoy that it was relatively short and easily thus palatable we keep complaining in this podcast but I really didn't have a problem with Dumbo but at the same time um, it, it was simple and off the time nowadays this kind of film would not fly at all but you know you see it as and you respect it as something of a sort of a building block for films to come. And there is beauty in its simplicity. Definitely. Uh, there yeah. is. There is. And I also feel that it serves no purpose to make every single goddamn film in an art form to kind of carry on all these complex and multi-nuanced touching stones that are in play in today's media culture. Yeah. You, know, you look at it uh, now and you say that it's a by the numbers film, but well, when you when yeah when when you juxtapose it with what it's a really old film and take it for yeah, that. Yeah, and the fact is that every now and then it just it it is good to watch a simplistic, heartfelt, even by the numbers film. No, you 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 shouldn't do yourself the disservice of simply trying to watch, you know, the hard-edged and extremely complicated talking point movies. Yeah, and then again, all the new films use the same building blocks as Dumbo, so the new ones just, they have more ways to shift your focus to think that there's more to it than there actually is to it. Well, did you, Henrik, hate this film? I couldn't recommend it if I would have hated it. Yeah. There's a logical paradox. <laughs> yeah, of course we both like this film. Anything to add or should we kind of close the door already in this podcast? My goodness. I guess we actually could, you know, close the door and for once 
in, in, in the history of this podcast. Let our listeners off with ease. Yeah, it is a children's film after all, and the attention spans of our cursing child listeners must be sh- short as well, so... Our non-existent child listeners. Yeah, yeah, but listener discretion is advised. Do not listen without the given approval from your parents in the United States. All right, Henrik, thank you for for once again another episode. Next time, uh, I have some rumblings in my ear that it looks like we're going to watch Inuk next. The cable has been finally repaired. <laughs> Yeah, there was there has been some communication problems to Greenland because apparently a fish troller has broken the full speed internet connections to some parts of Greenland. But anyway, next week we'll be available to deliver you the next episode. Inuk. Never change Greenland. Never change. <laughs> Until next week. Signing off. Joo, tästä ei, ei, tää, ei kannata etsiä, menee liian kauan. Tää on ihmehomma, tää aina näiden Disney-levyjen kanssa kyllä jotakin, kun se, se jumit, jumittaa ihan v**k tää levy. <köhö> Tätä Disney-v**k on kyllä niin paljon välissä.